Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host. It's Paul Kemp. Uh, I am thrilled today. I, I tell you a little bit about my past. Uh, in about 2008, I had this idea for an online uh, health service. Never did anything about it. And uh, recently, I came across iDoc24, which is um, you know a fascinating service. And I just had to get the CEO and founder on to talk to us about this this whole um, health uh, because uh, it's something that I was thinking about back uh, way back in 2008 and um, you know, I'd love to know what I missed out on. So uh, let me introduce um, Dr. Alexander Bov. Now we are uh, speaking, he's in Kansas City, but he does work actually in San Francisco uh, as well. And it's a very international uh, podcast. So Dr. Alexander Bov, welcome to the App Guy podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. Where did you get the idea for iDoc? 24 uh, perhaps you can tell us a little bit about about the background to the idea well the background was a little bit that uh, all the way back to 2003 so i was a medical student at lunds university in sweden and uh, we did a, a residency at uh, well i did at a place called young shopping and that's a smaller hospital and uh, they have a motorway just next to them and we had a lot of car accidents that would come in. And um, me in the ER, I saw that they would bring in Polaroid pictures of these car accidents, but they all had mobile telephones. So at that time, they didn't have uh, iPhones. It was just normal Nokia or Ericsson's, but with very good cameras. So I thought, well, why don't they send in images of these car accidents when they're on their way to the hospital? Because sometimes we, we kind of... Um, had too many people in the in the ER because we thought it was going to be a big car accident. But actually, what happened was that it was a Volvo with four four people in it. So you know, when there's a Volvo with four people in it, it's not going to be demolished compared to a Mini with four people in it. So that's where the idea came from, and um, I built then uh, with a developer a system where you could text images into the ER. Uh, we wanted to implement that back in two thousand. Uh, three, four, uh, that was not going to happen because with all the red tape and also my peers, they didn't believe in this. Uh, they said that, uh, you know, you have to have more research about this. There was no evidence. Well, the whole story. So at that time as well, I had a girlfriend. Uh, she was very cute from uh, Barcelona. <laughs> and, um, right. And I, I had actually been there on an Erasmus and I had, uh, she wanted to become a skin doctor, a dermatologist. And it was very difficult to become a dermatologist in Spain. So she actually came to Sweden and became a dermatologist. And around 2005, uh, when she had got her Swedish together and things like that, we were out at dinner parties. People would then always, when she presented herself as a dermatologist, they were like, oh, you're a dermatologist. Very good. Very interesting. So what's this then? Uh, do I have to go to a doctor for this? So she would get a lot of questions about their skin, and there was that one, uh, one uh, dinner party that one of the people got a bit drunk, and they could kind of asked her to go back room, and uh, they pulled their pants down to uh, have a look at something more intimate. So that's when she told me. <laughs> Is she still she, your girlfriend? <laughs> uh, she's she's my ex uh, girlfriend. Right. Okay. Uh, well, it we wasn't have... because of that incident, was it, by any chance? <laughs> no, but that kind of spurred everything. That uh, kind of. Uh, she didn't enjoy going to dinner parties. And then I understood that, you know, uh, well, she was actually the one that mentioned, look, why don't you do this uh, thing that you're struggling with? Why don't you use that in dermatology? And then, 
you know, I asked her to look at some pictures that I sent in with this service that I had, and she could she could say exactly what the the things were, and very quickly. So that's how the idea came uh, came across, and then. Uh, we kind of pivoted into that, but it wasn't a live service or anything like that. Uh, then I went to Graz. It's 2005. Graz is in Austria, where I went to a, the first uh, world teledermatology conference, which was run by a guy called Professor Hans-Peter Sawyer, a dermatologist and pioneer in teledermatology. He now lives in Brisbane, Australia, but he ran that uh, congress. So I jumped on a plane from Sweden and then joined these people. And the funny thing was that, you know, all these people there, they're all dermatologists. And uh, my speciality is not dermatology, it's actually orthopedic surgery. So, you know, I'm a surgeon. So I was the only surgeon there. We were surrounded with dermatologists and they were asking me, what are you doing here? Why is this? I'm like, well, I believe that uh, with telephones, you're going to be able to send in images of any query to a dermatologist. And obviously, they all laughed at me and they thought this was uh, completely ridiculous. And what did I have to do? What did I have to do at a dermatologist conference being an orthopedic surgeon? But uh, that's a little bit how it all start, uh, started. And then, you know, when I came back, when people, when people tell an entrepreneur that, you're in the wrong place or you're doing the wrong thing. It's just like putting uh, uh, petrol onto a fire, isn't it? So you just like, Absolutely. well, I'll, I'll show them I was in the right place and I'll show them what I can do. Yeah, yeah let's talk about your journey because it's so inspirational in a way. You know, here you are, you have, uh, you know, you're in the medical profession. So you've got obviously a very well-paid path laid out ahead of you. But for some reason, you decide to go down the entrepreneurial route, which is more risk. I guess initially less money. T- tell us about that because that that we could have medical students listening to this right now who are going through those same thoughts, uh, but maybe tempted for the easy life of just getting a salary and and doing the usual thing. Uh, you have a very 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 good point there. Uh, basically, what's uh, driving me a little bit was uh, well, in the beginning was that I felt I was the only one doing this at that moment and there's nobody else doing it with a mobile phone uh, where you could as a consumer send in an image to a dermatologist and have an answer there was nobody else doing that and uh, that's why I went to this Graz conference to to emphasize that that nobody was doing it so I I found out well now I have a I have some I have some breathing room to be the first one to get out there and uh, I was uh, and then it was also the feeling that, you know, if I get older and I have children when I'm about, about 65 or whatever, and uh, my kids come up and they say, look, your dad, I just used this service because I had this uh, skin issue. You know, I don't want to be in that position that say, well, that was my idea. And then they kind of laugh in your face. It's better than that they say that, well, dad, I really, I, I really love the service that you developed. Uh, this is great. You know, it saved me a lot of time and I know exactly what this... Uh, pimple or rashes so that's what was driving me at the beginning so it's the idea that's been driving you in a way that's exactly it yeah and the idea has been so compelling that you just can't let anyone else you know jump on board before you you have a good so when was that conference then because that sounds like the initiation of this Uh, 2005 so so it really is then a a long process uh, you know in terms of 
yeah, do you want to talk about the the thing you said to me at the start in the pre-chat, which is it's more of a, a triathlon than it is just a sprint? Yes. So uh, all entrepreneurship uh, kind of thing. Uh, well, you, you hear this a lot in the in the Silicon Valley. They say fail fast, fail fast. That means you know they're basically doing a sprint and you know just trying things out and uh, see if it works. Uh, if it works and you get traction, then throw more money at it and then do do an, uh, and blow it all out and grow really quickly. But you can't really do that in healthcare. And healthcare is more of uh, you know you have to have all the pieces together because the difference with Healthcare and any other kind of startups is actually you're dealing with uh, with people, uh, you're dealing with uh, professionals like medical doctors, you're dealing with the law, uh, which is very, uh, yeah, it, it can be a very sensitive in some aspects. So from that outset, it just becomes a marathon when you're doing a, 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 a health startup. It's more of a marathon that you have to have all these pieces together. You have to lobby the people around you. You have to have support. You have to find the people who really like what you're doing and engage them and get them on the team and build a team of people who are health professionals. And then at the on top of that, you have to have uh, research. So you have to have evidence-based medicine, which is what we preach in Europe that if it works in a clinical trial and there's a, and you manage to publish an article that on that then that is very good uh, material for your uh, idea to keep on going and uh, it does I, I, I must have to say Alexander it does feel like the whole medical profession the industry there's a lot of money in there and it's just there for disruption would you would you agree i mean it's obviously a lot of red tape as you say but do you feel like there's potentially a lot of disruption that is uh, coming ahead? So there is a lot of disruption. One thing which you have to be careful about medicine is also that uh, uh, since there's so much money in it, I mean, if the outcome of that patient is not any better and you've spent uh, two million pounds on that patient, I mean, what's the point in doing that as you then? So that's... That's why it's very difficult to do disruption like that. You do have to have some evidence-based medicine behind it where you show, you know, I use this medication on 100 people. The outcome on those 100 people is 20 or 30, 30% better and it's, also, it's worthwhile spending that money so that they get better. Uh, there's no point spending a million pounds on a patient and that patient over three months or six months is not getting any better. I mean, it's just a waste of resources and it's tax money, right? So that's why it's, it's a little bit of a difficult situation to just say, hey, we're going to disrupt it. We're just going to change it all and uh, use taxpayers' money to pay for it. Yeah, let's uh, talk about your disruptive app then in a way, because am I right in saying that if I have a skin issue, for example, that I can uh, take a picture of that using my phone and then use the app to uh, show that to a doctor or someone that's qualified to have a look at that and provide some guidance? Uh, that's, uh, that's correct. So iDoc24 is basically the digital health uh, company startup that we have. So the first vertical that we're focusing on, on is dermatology. So the app that we have for that is called First Derm. So first as, you know, first aid kind of thing, and then Derm as short for dermatology. So that app you can just download from the App Store or iOS or through our website and take a 
image of any skin issue. And what's cool with that app is that you don't have to register. So there's no email, there's no password, there's no accounts that you have to set up. It's just like kind of take a picture and fill in some text and just send it in. Uh, so it's like a lot of anonymous, it's anonymous then when you send that in. Exactly. And that's what we saw through my tests was that it was not to try and dodge any legal implication. It was more to, we saw that images of skin or medical images are embarrassing. Well, a lot of people, that's why people search or Google their images a lot because, well, I mean, their medical information a lot because they are kind of embarrassed and they are in an intimate space when they're actually doing an internet search. And that's what we found out by sending an image in. Uh, you can send in any image of any skin issue to our dermatologist who will then give you a, an answer within 24 hours. I have to say, Alexander, it sounds like a, an amazing idea. I mean, in the privacy of your own home that you get to, to send photos of something that could be rather embarrassing using your smartphone, and then you send that uh, with a complete anonymity to uh, to yourself, your experts, uh, and then you get this reply. What, what sort of a response are, are you getting from users of, of this, uh, this first term? So uh, our users are very happy uh, with the service. Uh, for example, I know in the UK there's about 300 or 400 dermatologists. So, you know, it uh, takes you about three to six months to just see a dermatologist in the NHS. So services like ours, you can have like a reply within 24 hours. Uh, people might think that it's not as good as going to the dermatologist. Uh, it's not that, you know, they can do biopsies and do a lot of prescriptions, but, you know, they can tell in 70% of the time if you should go to the pharmacy or if you should go to the doctor. So it saves our users a lot of time, uh, a lot of worry, and also they get healthier much uh, faster. And how have you thought about monetizing the app? Is, is it uh, something that you paid for service? So it's an in-app purchases. That means that when you download the app for free, but every time you use it, that's when you pay. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Actually, that's one of the few times I've heard like a sensible in-app purchase being something like uh, a complete service. And uh, were you okay getting approval from Apple for that? Uh, we were a bit nervous at the beginning, but uh, it went through. And since we've had the app in the App Store since 2010... It was so we basically started 2010 only in Europe, but we moved the app to the U.S. App Store in 2013 because uh, we, as you said, we were a little bit nervous of Apple uh, uh, pounding down on us or anything like that. But we saw that they started opening to other health apps, so that's when we moved over to the to Apple, and they have had no issues with it. So I want to take a little bit of a different step now. We've talked a lot about the app and and what you're doing there. Uh, there's many of the listeners in the in my appster tribe who would love to become an entrepreneur they're listening to this in a job they don't like and they want to change and i wondered if you uh had any advice for anyone who's just starting out uh, they haven't yet got an idea but they they know they want to do something what what advice would you give that person well uh first of all you have to know what you're getting yourself into so for example i'm i'm 40 years old i'm not married i don't have any kids uh i don't have a girlfriend <laughs> so <laughs> okay that is that an announcement on the show we can we can sort that out for you <laughs> well that basically you know puts it into a nutshell right is that you are basically your startup is number one your girlfriend is number two and no girlfriends want to feel like they're number two 
So uh, it's a little bit that if you can swallow that pill, then uh, move forward. And uh, then you have to have obviously the stamina that you can get through this marathon. If things don't work exactly as you wish at the beginning, you can always work your half time. Uh, you should always try and get into the academic part of things by making a making some kind of study of it, you know, pilot study or anything. Get get people who are enthusiastic uh, on board as quickly as possible. Don't anyone that are negative to you, they're just going to use too much of your energy. Uh, get the ones who are enthusiastic. Get them on board. Make sure that they help you. And also see to it that you don't get enthusiasts who are over-enthusiastic, that they already work in 20 or 25 different uh, helping uh, 20, 20 or 25 different startups out already. Uh, find someone who, you, who can really help you out. Yeah, I do have to say that I was actually uh, quite closely really, um, working with someone who every day would have a new idea for a new startup. And it just brings me to the question of how, how do you actually focus your time? Where, where do you know what uh, to, to focus on? So right now, I mean, we do have a good uh, traction as uh, people sending in cases to us. So uh, the difficult bit has been that telemedicine, uh, I don't know if you know about Health 2.0, is one of these uh, health conferences which are quite famous uh, here in the United States and also in Europe. Uh, so I've been speaking a lot of those at those events. And there are diehard people in telemedicine and digital health there. And I always ask the audience, how many of you have used telemedicine? And only 30% raise their hands up. That means it's not really mainstream yet. And it's a little bit what happened with uh, the e-commerce or credit cards back in the year 2000. There were many sites where you can put your credit card credentials on, but everyone, nobody dared to put their credit card out on the internet. So it took about five years until we got uh, comfortable to put our credit cards, on, credit cards online, which is a little bit the analogy that I'm using with telemedicine that, you know, this is something that everyone will be using in five years time, but it's just this hurdle getting over that, well, is it safe? Am I going to get a good answer? Is it worth the money? You know, those are the typical uh, questions that we get. And it must be quite hard for someone to uh, imagine what it's like to be an entrepreneur. I always find that one way of trying to visualize what it's like doing what you do is is trying to understand what a typical day is like for you and i wondered if you could uh, you know briefly go, take us through what a typical day would look like to you yeah so i wake up in the morning uh, about uh, 6:45 that's when uh, my clock rings and then i lie in bed for about 50 minutes just checking emails because uh, uh, i'm on i'm on the pacific time so i'm checking emails that came in from uh, europe and then uh, I might reply to them on my phone or I just get up and then uh, either I go for a run, have some breakfast or go to the office and then uh, have some meetings at the office and then try and uh, look at the data, how many queries we're getting in, make sure that the dermatologists are answering the queries and so forth. And then it's just meetings all day and then trying to find partnerships and trying to find ways, means to grow the service and um, and get more users, uh, and then finish about six, seven. But in San Francisco, there's always a meetup, so uh, you go to a meetup, or eat some pizza, or some beer, or have some food, or have some other kind of meeting, or you meet your entrepreneurial friends. So then you're talking about work anyway, 
And then you might go to bed around 11 or midnight. You might even uh, have to finish some emails before going to bed. So basically, it's 24 uh, 24/7 that you're doing startup. Uh, well, for me at the moment, especially in San Francisco, because everyone around you is startup. So, to put it bluntly, a startup in San Francisco is uh, on steroids. So, in <laughs> Europe, in Europe, it's startup, but in San Francisco, it's uh, startup on steroids. <laughs> it's good advice for anybody who's listening to this that if you are going to uh, go alone or uh, work for a startup that it has to be something that you're going to devote a lot of attention and, and you have the passion to do. And it's not for everybody, I'm guessing. Um, you know, the other thing which uh, we always find quite useful is uh, going through some of your biggest pain points right now because we can try and figure out from you any potential app ideas that we can get from that. And I wondered if you can think back to the last few months or so of working. And uh, Are there any big frustrations that you found in what you do or... Uh, you know any pain points in your own business? Uh, the pain point is obviously distribution. I mean, finding people that would like to use your app. I mean, how do how do you find them? How do you find people with skin diseases? Right. So you know you have to do, you can look into Google and do Google ads and Facebook ads. So the biggest pain point or frustration is that Google and Facebook own 80% of the advertising market in mobile. So if you can fix that, that it's more competitive, then our advertisement prices will go down. Yeah, I can imagine, especially for the uh, the good margins in dermatology and, and especially on various websites that deal with medical, that the price per click that you're paying is pretty high uh, for a lead. Yeah, and, and what we found is that if we have a banner on the website, people go to that website 70% of the time from a mobile device, so they don't even see that banner, right? Because the, the real estate is so small. So that's the problem uh, in the market right now, that if you're going to do mobile advertisement, the only people who are good at doing that is Facebook and uh, Google. Because they have a nice, you know, in the Facebook you have the timeline, Google you have obviously the search. But other banner ads and things like that is useless in the smartphone. Yeah, and also this is a show about apps and uh, we love talking about them. I'm wondering if you have your smartphone near you and you can tell us uh, one of your apps on there that you use in your personal or business life uh, that could be a good recommendation for the show. <laughs> Uh, so good, so good. So obviously, I have PayPal. Uh, I, I check how much uh, money we get in, and then Uber and Lyft. You know, they are classics. Uh, I also have all the dating apps. Uh, not only, because, <laughs> okay. not not only because I'm single, but uh, the dating apps is very good to think about interface and how people engage with those apps. Uh, Uber, of course, is also a very good app that I also check and think about, you know, get ideas for how we can change our app to the better, both on the dermatologist's side, answering cases, and also for our consumers sending in uh, cases. Because, and I have Snapchat, of course, you know, any, any of those popular apps, it's important that you should have on your screen and have the updates because they learn so much information from customers. That, uh, you know, when you have the next update, you think about what they've changed and their business models. So, for example, one thing which is very interesting with Tinder is that uh, when I was doing Tindering, for example, instead of, 
instead of look, swiping left and right, I just swiped right all the time or liked everyone. I didn't even look at the images, right? Because when there was a match, there was actually a match that was uh, both parties wanted the match. And that's when you looked at the person, if they were uh, your type or not. And if they were not your type, you just blocked them. But the update of that Tinder, uh, of the Tinder that came out, if you swipe more right more than 10 or 20 times, you have to pay $20 for that every month. So it's interesting to see how these uh, companies, they use the data that they collect to, to make their app better and also to make, uh, to find new business models. So that's why, you know, taxi apps or all the popular apps, if you download them and have a look at them, you don't have to use them, but, you know, at least understand how they work. Alexander, I have to say, all the episodes I've recorded, that's the first time that you've uh, anyone's mentioned that observation, which is downloading some of the most popular apps and just keeping an eye on how they're updating the features and the, the monetization, because they've got all the money to invest in metrics, in uh, the uh, experiments and testing and split testing. And so when they do an update, it's for a, re- a reason and you can emulate that. Exactly. And that's, that's exactly my point. And uh, it's not only that they have the money, but they have the users, right? So when you have users, we have, if you have uh, millions of users every single day, you get all these data points. And from those data points, you can extrapolate patterns, right? And then you can also find your demography. You, know, you can find so much stuff from having so many users. And that's, that's what's important. Well, I have to say, Dr. Alexander Berv, what a great episode. This has been terrific, wonderful chat about you and your entrepreneurial journey. Now, everyone listening can go and get the show notes. There's links to things that we've mentioned. Uh, just go to episode 294 of theappguy.co and search out uh, Dr. Alexander Berv and you will see uh, all the links. But in the meantime, how do we get in touch with you? How do we actually reach out and, and contact you? So I'm uh, happy to help. Uh, I'm not going to be spend uh, be able to spend a long time like on phone calls or anything like that. But I'm happy to help uh, with introductions. Uh, uh, add me on LinkedIn or send me an email at alexander at idoc24.com. That's alexander at idoc24.com. Uh, and put me on LinkedIn. I have a huge network on LinkedIn with uh, in healthcare. And if there's some p- people that you want me to introduce you to, I'm happy to do that. Uh, but as I said, I'm very very busy. But uh, so you know, I don't have time to sit on phone calls and do a lot of things. The best thing is obviously to search my name or search my company online. There's a lot of free information and uh, things that I've been talking about uh, that you can find out about me and my company. Yeah, and I guess I guess we can help you out as well by going and downloading the app and uh, just testing it and giving you some feedback and uh, way any kind of comments. I'm, I'm I'm guessing you would appreciate that. Yes, we would appreciate it. Uh, in the app as well, there is uh, something called a promo code. So for this show, we made a promo code which is App Guy, and there you will get twenty five percent every time you send in. For the next three months that's wonderful so uh, anyone listening to this uh it, who is an apps to tribe listener you can go to that app put your uh co- put the code in app guy all lowercase and uh, if you've got uh, an issue and you want to get someone's advice then uh 
you can get that. That's the first discount of any kind that we've had on this show uh, t- towards dermatology. So thank you very much. I'm not sure how many um, uh, people that we will uh, we have listening, but we'll find out, won't we? So, uh, you know, people with dermatology, dermatology issues. Uh, great. Well, let me thank you. Thanks for joining me. All the best with uh, your next um, 20 years of this. I, I think it's wonderful. As I said at the start of the show, it's an idea that I had back in 2008, never did anything about it like me and 90% of, of people that don't do anything with ideas. Uh, and just thank you for bringing the world such a great, awesome app. Thank you very much for having me, Paul. Thank you. Romano listeners, go to theappguy.co to access the backlog of past interviews. I've got hundreds of interviews with startup founders, millionaires, entrepreneurs, and app developers, authors. It's a wonderful resource and you'll get access to it. Uh, Initially, you can get it for free. Just go to theappguy.co and register where you will then be able to access uh, off-air chats as well as past interviews. Thanks very much for listening.